Rapper's Delight. Oh, Rapper's Sugar Delight. Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang. The Sugar Gang. Hill Gang. Yes. Yeah, now that you say it all, mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. Written by Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me it might be a little off on those facts. <laughs> Maybe. How many Canadians do you know? There can't be that many. Uh, there's no. not that many. Hmm. Uh, Rush, we, Gordon Lightfoot. We love the... Brian Adams. All of the Brian comedians. Adams. Yeah. All, the, all funny comedians are from Canada. Is Adam Sandler from Canada? He's not funny. Whoa! Controversial! Hi, this is Danny, and I'm a big ass runner from the great country of Texas. Welcome to the Big Ass Runner Podcast, where we entertain and encourage trail runners from all over the world. Now, here's your host. Smoother than syrup on a stack of freshly cooked pancakes, Jeff Harrell. Well, thank you, Danny. Pancakes are delicious in all occasions, in my opinion. So thank you for that intro. Well, welcome to the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast, episode number 131. I am your host, Jeff Harrell. We have a big show for you today. In fact, we're going to jump right into it here in a second. Segment number one, you're going to hear an amazing story about two people who decided to take on a very big, hairy, audacious goal, and that is setting the FKT at the Palmetto Trail. I want you to hear from these two gentlemen. They are amazing. They are inspiring. You're going to love that conversation. And then segment number two, Timmy Tom is here. So if you're out there on the trails running along and you just need some swooning, the smooth golden vocals of Timmy time, those are coming up as well. With that, let's get going on episode number 131 for the Big Ass Runner. Yo, you pick up the phone. Hello? What's that? Well, now joining us on the Big Ass Runner Hotline is Sean and Nathan. Hey, fellas, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, super excited to talk to you guys. And you guys are talking right now to the Big Ass Runner Herd. It's a group of just awesome people who are out there every day just hitting the trails, doing big things. And you guys recently did a really big thing as well that we want to talk about. But before we dive into that, I'd I'd love for the Big Ass Runner Herd to learn a little bit more about you guys. So, Sean, I'll start with you. Just tell us who you are, where you are, and kind of your running background. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, from Lexington, South Carolina. Pretty much grew up here my whole life since I was five. I did a little bit of cross country in high school and played some soccer. Then I went into the military. I wasn't really like into fitness, like even in the military, like I was, I was fit, but I didn't like train. I didn't, you know, I just, I did what I had to do for the military stuff. And I got out and few years have went by and I, I would like play sports and stuff like I, I wasn't out of shape you know I go play basketball ultimate frisbee things like that but I didn't train and um 
one day I was just like, I'd been watching football all day long. And I was like, man, you know, if I just train as much as I watch these guys do sports, then I could, I could be like an athlete. <laughs> and so like, that's what I did. I went, uh, I found a Spartan race was the first thing I did. Went and ran a Spartan beast on no training at all. And <laughs> got completely wrecked. Beast. Yeah. Oh, let's uh, just go big. Why don't we? Yeah, you know, might as well go big if you're going to do it. So that's where I started out with it. was funny. Like I did, like I signed up for it somewhere about eight weeks prior to that. I ran 11 miles with my brother and I was like, all right, I should be good. (laughs) That was like the extent of my training for it. So I went and did that. And I didn't know, like I knew we had a timing chip, but I didn't realize like we were being like ranked and stuff like that. So like a week later, I get an email that said, you know, you ranked 1100 out of this many people. And I was like, oh, I can do better than that. And so... (laughs) That's, that's kind of where it all started. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, I started doing obstacle races. Uh, I went and did American Ninja Warrior one year, and then I did I did a fifty mile within the first year after doing. Well, actually, it was a little over a year. It was like thirteen months after doing that first Spartan Beast. I did a fifty miler, and I really enjoyed ultra running. But my sponsors were in like uh, obstacle racing and stuff like that, so I stuck with that until twenty twenty, and then most of the races started shutting down. So I was like this is going to be the year I do the hundred miler. Like I want to, I want to do my first hundred miler. So I did that, then did a 48 hour. And then we were kind of looking for the next big thing. And that's how this trail popped up. Amazing. Yeah. My, my trail running career, if you can call it that started with OCR as well. We would do Spartans and do tough mutters and all that. And so we'd go train, we'd go train on the trails. And I just, I found the trail running part more fun. Plus, a lot of the OCR is body weight stuff. I, you guys can't tell. I'm I'm six four. I'm a I'm a Clydesdale. So the body weight stuff is doesn't work in my advantage necessarily. So I just yeah. started doing the trail races. So that's great. Tell us about you, Nathan. Where you Where are you from? What's a little bit about your background? I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. I've lived here my whole life, born and raised, and always active growing up. I think you know. People always ask, you know, what'd you do as a kid? I, really, I didn't do any like uh, school sports, really. I did I play basketball or baseball, little league and one year of football, but never really any other organized sports. Just we were always outside hiking in the woods every weekend as a family. I know that was a big, probably pretty big influence. Even when I was probably uh, 12 years old, my dad, we were mount- mountain biking and around here, that's not just like. A stroll through the woods mostly. So, you know, that was kind of the big influence when I was young. And then as I got older, never really had any major interest in being competitive until one, basically until Spartan. I was in the same boat Sean was. I could run, but I wanted more than just being able to run. I wanted to, you know, I liked the idea of the options of getting to train other things just than running. So I did my first Spartan race and I came in top 10. And I was hooked, you know, and it was just from there, I just kept trying to do better and better. And, you know, that's kind of where I got it. But, you know, I was just, I didn't have any competitiveness before that. It was just go out and run. I mean, I ran some other races, 10K, 5K, but it was never like see how, if I could win or, you know, what I could do was just a run to be active. So that's, you know, did that for years and, until about 2020, like Sean said, somewhere in there, I wanted to see what I could do in ultras and really wanted to hit 100. In 2020, I did my first 24-hour, got 80 miles, 
And then I was supposed to do another one later that year and it got canceled because of COVID. And my coach put on like a little local thing for a few of the runners here and ended up hitting a hundred miles, but it was in grueling like 33 hours. My goal was 24, but <laughs> it definitely went a lot longer. And so, yeah, from there, the next year I did another hundred and hit under 24. And I was just ready for more after that. And when Sean, we, he started talking about this and that sounded like a, you know, a great idea as far as like pushing ourselves. I didn't really, we didn't, you know, we can get into more about the experience, but I, we both knew we could do 50 miles in a day. You know, we'd done that before, but, uh, it was, uh, it, it was it's a whole nother story from there. <laughs> well, and Asheville is, is a beautiful area. One of our biggest listeners, one of our real big friends of the show, Kelly Fain is from that area. So I should definitely connect you guys. She's, oh, a, cool. she's a trail runner out in Nashville. Yeah. Area. And I've told Kelly, I said, we've got to get out there and run, run those trails. So I'm super jealous of you guys get, get this incredible beauty out there. And I'm curious. So Nathan, you're in North Carolina, Sean, you're in South Carolina. How did you guys meet? how did you guys become friends? Spartan race. Possible, I think. <laughs> Okay, did you meet at races? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I had found him on Instagram, I think, and uh, you know, he saw he'd been Ninja Warrior, and we just seemed we had some stuff in common, and so I just introduced myself to him one race, and from there we were just kind of. That was the thing about you know you know the obstacle course racing Spartan race you know Tough Mudder, Savage, all of them. It became like this community. You, know, yep. you get to see the same people every time. And so, you know, when you do enough of them, you just go to look for people, um, <laughs> people at races. And and whose, whose idea was it? Was it one of your ideas or collectively the idea to do this, this big 500 mile? I know you said 495 turned into 500 mile, mile excursion. Whose idea was that? I mean, we were both looking for the next big thing. I think I was the one that found the Palmetto Trail and was like, well, we can try that. Because this is the thing. This is how not professional runners we are, right? So we were like, the ne- you know, obviously the next big thing over 100 is a 200. So as you know, when you start looking into the logistics of that and how much it costs, you got to fly a crew out somewhere. It's not like I can do a 200 in South Carolina or anything. Like it's a huge expensive endeavor. And I just don't have the money for that. Or I'm not, I don't want to say that. I don't have the, uh, I'm not willing to make the sacrifices that it would take to pull it off. I'm not willing to miss out on vacations with my wife and kids and stuff like that. So I was like, well, let me just see if I can find like a, a long trail. And so I started looking around. We have the Foothills Trail and uh, it's around like 75 miles or something like that, 77 miles. So I thought about doing an out and back on that, but I, I did 133 at a 48 hour. So then I found the Palmetto Trail. When you go to their website, it talks about 350 miles of trail. And so I was like, okay, well, 350 miles, that's like, you know, that's a good jump up. We could go for that. And so then I was like, well, I wonder what the record is on it. And so I looked that up and I'm like, all right, 11 days, you know, that's, that's doable. Definitely for 350 miles, we could definitely beat that. And so like started talking to Nathan about it and he's like, yeah, you know, he's my crazy buddy. So he's just like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, So this is like the beginning of the year, like just kind of mentioned it, talked a little bit about it in the middle of the year, we're talking more about it. And we're like, man, that mileage doesn't really seem to add up. That guy has like 495 miles. So what we found out is there's 350 miles of marked Palmetto Trail to 
do the whole thing, you have to connect it with a bunch of roads. That's another 150 miles. So like, Oh my it, goodness. Yeah. We didn't realize that it wasn't like all connected and finished. Like it's not finished yet. So what that guy had done, he had done the 495 miles and just connected it all. And we were like, all right, well, that's a lot different, but we were like, okay, 50 miles a day. Like we could still potentially get this record. It's going to be a lot harder, but you know, still doable. So we were, we were already invested. We were like, all right, we're just going to go for it. And so there's a, there's a start and there is a finish. Mm-hmm. And so, so is it fastest known time? I think we did an episode a few weeks ago about FKTs and kind of demystifying. Cause I'd never, I'd heard about them, but I didn't know there was an official website. You can actually go and you can see what the FKT. So you guys went to that website, saw what the FKT was and said, Hey, we think we can beat that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And how did you train for it? Well, a lot of running. Uh, me and Sean <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> have, have slightly different training philosophies. He, he typically does more in the strength realm, and I'm more just miles. I have a coach, a running coach, um, Aaron Saft, MR Running Pains. And, you know, so mine was a lot of running, but it still wasn't what I would call crazy. A lot of marathoners will professional be, you know, hundred mile weeks. And we were training for 500 miles. I was probably still only averaging around 68 to 70. And then there was a few weeks that were 80 plus, but I don't think I ever got even to 90, honestly. And that, that was only two weeks. And then we had some long weekends. We had like three or four weekends where we did back to backs. I know both me and Sean, we met up and did one weekend with some long rucks and with some strength kind of mixed the uh, two worlds together then. But that's, you know, that was pretty much what the training looked like for me was, I think I started really training for it. I would say September was when I really started focusing on that specifically. I had just come back. I got to experience the Bigfoot 200 with my coach. I was one of his pacers. So that was really nice to be able to see what that looked like, what over a hundred miles looked like something that was multi-day and see how he affected him and how even I got to run for three days in a row. They weren't straight, but I, I, you know, had some, a lot of time on feet. So that was a good experience there. I would imagine as a coach, you're, you're prepared to help your runners for ultra distances, but then you say, Hey, we're going to do a 500 miler. He's probably like, man, I got to figure out how I'm going to best prepare Nathan for this run. So that's, that's really cool. What about you, Sean? What was your training like? Yeah, I'd say like the buildup for this really started for me around like the middle of October. I had a little shorter kind of CrossFit style event that I was training for uh, that was at the beginning of October. So I do I do a lot of CrossFit. Obviously, when I transferred like the focusing on this, I did do a lot more rucking and really trying to get a lot of that stuff in like back to back. So like my Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday was usually like pretty heavy. So I'd like... I'd always try to get like a long run in, maybe not too long, but maybe like 10 miles or something in on Friday night and then wake up early Saturday, do like maybe a three hour run, work out like CrossFit stuff around lunch and then try and get something in again at night, usually something short, uh, like five mile run and then wake up early and do like a four hour ruck on Sunday mornings and then work out again Sunday afternoons. So that was like you know, that was the bulk of it. I did a lot of rucking. Like I like, I like doing a lot of heavy rucks when I'm prepping for ultras. So I'm curious, was this a supported FKT or did, or did you guys go unsupported? 
this was supportive for us. We just had like our buddies lined up for different days for the northern part. Nathan had most of his people do that since they were close to, uh, to Asheville on the top of where the trail is. And then as we got more towards the middle of Columbia, we had more of like my friends and stuff just come out and they would take a day, come crew for us and then drop us off at night at like wherever we were staying at. And then the next team would pick us up in the morning, bring us back out and have us run the course. When you're running a race, even a hundred K or even a hundred mile or even a 200 miler like Bigfoot, there's aid stations planned out. You know, when you're going to see your crew, you know, when you can pick up your pacer, you guys got to figure all that stuff out. I would imagine. Yeah. It's like planning your own race. I mean, it really is. You're, you're your own RD, you know, right. <laughs> you don't have like you're just showing up and getting to the finish or start line and, and going. It's definitely the logistics and the planning of this was, I would say just as much as the run was, you know, trying to figure out, like Sean said, there were sections that weren't connected by the trail. And yes, we had the person who had done the FKT previously, we had his route. But there was some things on it that didn't quite make sense. And so we had to do our own investigation to make sure he went the right way. And, or at least, at least maybe the trail had changed. Maybe there was updates, things like that. So, yeah, there was all the aspect of having your crew was definitely a whole nother thing. Yeah, it was really tough, especially like up in the uh, mountains when we first started. Like I know there, like our buddy Darun that crewed for us the first two days, like there was times where we'd be like, okay, we can see you in five miles. Um, So we'd take out our food and water for five miles. And then he's like, hey, uh, there's a gate here. Like I'm not going to be able to get to you guys. I got to take a 45 minute reroute. And so then it ends up being like 10 miles until we see him. Uh, There was a lot of that. I mean, all along the course everywhere, but definitely in the mountains was the toughest. And let's do that. Let's dive into the, the actual. I keep wanting to say race. I guess in some ways it's a race to beat the FKT, but take us through that. You know, when did it start? How many days? And and maybe some highs and lows. I'm sure there were tons of highs and tons of lows throughout your time out on the trail. Let's start with you, Sean. Take us through some of that. Yeah. So the total time that we were out there was 10 days, 11 hours and 23 minutes. That's, uh, you know, what our, our new record is for the Palmetto Trail. The goal, like I said, was to get 50 miles a day. We started early, early Tuesday morning of December 27th. And we wanted to get a good chunk knockout. I think we ended up doing like 55 miles or something like that. It was more than 50 that day. And we had to camp that first night because it was in the middle of nowhere. So like we had to we get done, we run our 55 miles, meet our buddy, and then we had to set up camp for the night. It's like 27 degrees, took a shower and a water bottle. Like it was so cold. Man. Um, yeah. And so like, we're cooking our own food in there and everything. And then like, we woke up the next morning and since we only have one person that's crewing, like we have to help them like pack up and everything. It wasn't like we had multiple people where we could just leave, start running. So it took too long packing up. I think it took us like two hours or something to get everything packed up. So we knew that we were going to have to figure something out. Like as far as like either hotels or people that we knew that stayed near the trail along the way. And luckily we like, we knew a few people and then there was like hotels within like reasonable distance for the rest of the way. The first day wasn't bad. I think my biggest concern was keeping up with Nathan for the first two days. I knew like if I could not slow him down for the first two days, then I'd be all right. So that was like a big thing going into it was just me hoping that I could keep up and not uh, slow him down too much. I knew I could do 50 miles in a day. I knew I could run a hundred miler. I knew I could do 48. So I knew like the first three days, like I could get through 
but I think the realization definitely set in around day three that like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> this is like, it, cause we, we get done and it's like, you know, you've, you've done your 150 mile or close to it. Um, I think we were actually a little bit under, but, um, like you just know, I have to wake up for the next week and do this every single day. Day four was definitely the roughest for me. That's, I was in so much pain. I really didn't know if I was going to be able to finish. That was a day. Like it was like where the trail broke me, which is what you look for in an ultra anyway. You know, you want that. So I like, I remember like I, I ended up crying. Like I just thinking like I was going to have to tell my kids that I just couldn't make it. Like their dad was not strong enough. And just that thought was like overwhelming to me in that moment. You know, you're just so beat down running an ultra. So that was the rough day. I woke up day five. Like, I don't know how I'm going to move, but I'm just going to start and just see and got through and was able to just to keep on pushing. But day four for me, that was the toughest. And, and what was it? And I want to go to you here in a second, Nathan, but Sean, what was it? You said you just got up and pushed through it. Was it just lace them up and go and don't even think about it? Or was there some, some kind of a mental trick you used to get yourself going again? What, what was it that got, got you over the hump on that day four? Well, day four, like we were already like day four, it's just the whole thing started bad. We, uh, we got lost trying to get back to where we were on the trail. So like we were driving around trying to get to this point where we had stopped at, we couldn't find it. So we drove around for like an hour, ended up like I was car sick by the time we got there. Like, so just the whole morning just started out terrible. And then, um, it started raining on us all day. And so like day four, like I'd already been through half the day. So I was like, well, I'll just, I can keep going through this. Like I'll keep pushing. It was more like day five, just not knowing and going to sleep on day four, just not knowing if I was going to be able to keep going. Like the pain that I was feeling was insane. And like, I've done ultras, like I've done my hundreds. I know people are going to be like, it's all pain. Like, believe me. Like, I I mean, I led my first hundred from mile zero all the way through a hundred, you know, like I know pain, but that was like another world of pain that I just had never been in. So day five was just like, I just have to start and just see, I'll just, I'll just take the first step, get through the first mile and see what I can do. That's awesome. And we'll talk about your experience, Nathan, any, any highs and lows for you? Uh, We were kind of interestingly pretty close to on same schedule as far as highs and lows. Uh, Mine hit a little bit earlier. The end of day three was, I got quite a bit of pain. We got done and my legs just felt so swollen. And I remember going into the house we were staying at that night and I had only met one of the people, the son who was living in the house and I didn't, hadn't met his parents. And I could tell the dad was kind of like, worried about me because I started shaking like kind of uncontrollably just because my body was in a little bit of shock. You know, you're cold, you're wet. And I just, honestly, I was kind of like Sean said, you know, that night I called my wife and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to go the next day. I was in so much pain. My shins just were swollen and it wasn't muscle fatigue. It was just the swelling. And yeah, I'm not really sure like exactly how to describe it, but I just, you know, knew I'd go to sleep, wake up and see what happened in the morning, you know, get on my legs and see if I could keep moving. And, um, yeah, the next morning I woke up and they still hurt really bad, but I could move. So I was, you know, pretty elated that I could just keep moving. And that day, even my, my day four was pretty terrible to both of us. You know, I feel like just the idea, the fact that I knew that I could move, kind of made the pain a little bit better. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, it was terrible, but I was just so happy that I could keep moving, you know, that I was able to put miles behind me still 
you talk about these long distances and you hear from other people who have done similar things that your body will adapt. And we have been, my coach had texted me on day, I think it was on day two or three that, you know, saying, Hey, this, these first few days are the worst, your body will adapt. And then we had one of our crew members, Jess, who, you know, was just like reiterating, yeah, you guys are going to adapt. We're going to see these adaptations. And, you know, I was kind of the hope that I think both of us kind of kept going on was, you know, yes, this is terrible. Yes. If we can just keep moving, maybe tomorrow will be better. That was definitely the lowest spot. You know, our highs, I don't think, you know, I'm trying to remember what day. I want to say it was day. I know where we were, but I can't remember what day it was. Um, We were at Lake Santee and we had got to a place where we were now one day ahead of the original FKT. And that really kind of put a fire under us and made us realize, hey, we have the ability to do this. You know, this is this is a real thing now. Um, before we would get, we were staying ahead, but it still seems so far out. Even, you know, Sean mentioned we got through 150 miles and normally that's like a feat. You know, you get 150 miles and that's like, you know, great job. And that was, we hadn't even gone halfway yet. <laughs> so it was kind of like, you know, man, you, you can't even feel good about 150 miles. So that, that was pretty unreal to think about that part. You know, 500 miles is still to me, a Incredible. Hard to really fathom, you know, what it was, even though I was there doing it. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm I'm curious because a lot of times on in races when you're running with someone, one person feels good and encourages the person that's not feeling good and vice versa, or you're running with a pacer, they're feeling good, they're encouraging you. You guys are both struggling at the same time. Did you know that? And I'm curious to know, do you think that was actually helpful? You're like, hey, we're both struggling we're both going to get this through this together. Or do you think if one had looked at the other and said, let's, let's tap out together. I'm just curious what, what those emotions were like. Let's start with you, Sean. Yeah. I don't think there was ever a moment where we were like, we might like tap out or like, I don't think either of us would have ever looked at each other and been like, I'm not, you know, like, let's just quit. Even if like, I don't even know, like maybe one of us would have got to the point like where maybe if one of us quit, like, like I might, I might tell Nathan, yeah, I'm going to quit, but it would never be like, Hey, do you just want to quit? And like, we make a decision like that. And like, I had no interest in quitting. Like I've never DNF before. Like I did not want to, you know, I did not want to make that one my first. And what about for you, Nathan, were you, did you know you're both struggling at the same time and maybe, maybe kind of brothers in arms, like, let's go fight through this. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, we were pretty, Kim, I mean, I, I don't know about Sean, but I could definitely tell when he was hurting and I think he could tell, you know, we could slow down or way we would, or would walk even, you know, we could tell the other one was hurting. We tended to make more noises when we were hurting, grunting. And, you know, yeah, there was this brothers in arms thing. And I think we both just have this mindset of we say we're going to do something. We're going to I mean, you're going to have to drag me off the course uh, kind of mindset. It's just, you know, we said we had set out to do this. This is what we were going to do come hell or high water. You know, I, I think even we would have kept going even if we would have missed the FKT. I think, you know, the purpose was to finish it no matter what. And, you know, FKT was goal number one. And then if that didn't happen, then finish it is goal number two. But thankfully they both happened. You know, that, that was the ideal world. And yeah, there was so many times, I think every day, honestly, it always seemed like I was a little bit better in the mornings and Sean typically seemed to be a little bit better in the midday 
and and then the evenings it would kind of flip flop here and there. So we would ended up being each other's pacers a lot of the times. You know, one was always a little bit better than the other, except for day four. You know, there it was kind of pushed each other. I'll be honest with you, Sean, on day four, you know, even though he was hurting so bad, he had developed. I don't know if he was just so angry and he was just going to push through it. You know, he really pushed the pace and kept us going. And, you know, I felt like he led a lot of that day, even though he was hurting worse. Probably, he, I think he probably was. Um, he just was so just ready just, just to keep going. You couldn't, we couldn't lose too many miles that day. We already knew it was going to be a low day, but the fewer miles we did that day was just going to hurt us so much more as we went along. Yeah. I think that was the only day we actually lost. We didn't like, uh, we were still ahead of the FKT, but we actually lost mileage that we had gained. I think we were like we started the day like six miles ahead, um, and we ended the day only like two miles ahead of the FKT pace, which we kind of knew like the first three days were going to be like tough to make make sure we kept up with his pace. But day four, we had really hoped that we could get ahead because it was a low mileage day for him too. But I think that's just like the body, like just it's tough to deal with all that mileage. So we ended up with a low mileage day too but it didn't, we still were able to stay ahead of the FKT. I want to in a second hit a little bit about what you guys learned about yourselves, about each other. But before we do that, and, and you mentioned a little bit, Nathan, there was a, a point where you, you felt good as what day you said you're, you're at a lake. Was there a point in time where you're like, we're going to do this. We're actually going to do this. And, and if there was, when did that point in time happen? Let's start with you, Nathan. Yeah. I mean, when I mentioned that, that day that we, we really wanted that it was night and uh we actually it was that same day that we were able to hit a it was a 950 right sean i think yeah we we managed to run a 950 which you know may sound slow but oh, we had hit a 950 and since i don't know maybe day one or day now that you know and so it was pretty incredible and then that night we really wanted to push to this point and we we hit that and it just that whole being a whole day ahead of the FKT just gives you just knew that we could hit the time and no matter what, as long as our body kept going like they were, had been, they started to adapt, you know, after day four, we did see incremental improvements every day. And we developed like a, a routine of how we would, you know, how much sleep we would get, you know, and wake up and just keep a, a timeline, generally 12 to 13 hours, and they just kept us going. And the goal was, you know, we never really hit until I think the day 10, we never really hit over 50 miles again. We were still, we kept it around 44 to 47, something like that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely when we, we put that day gap on the FKT was, I think for me, you know, knowing that this is, this is going to happen. Yeah. That's awesome. Is that the same, same for you, Sean? Um, yeah. And I was like, we knew a little bit before that because it was interesting. We started talking, it was day, it was day eight, but it was earlier in the morning. We started talking about just out of nowhere, like not even noticing. We were like, you know, when, when we finish, when we get to the end, like, how are we going to do this? Like, how does our GPS watch do this? How, like, just randomly started talking about it. And, uh, like, I think at the end of that conversation, like Nathan was like, he was like, huh, not if, when, and like, we were just like, oh yeah, it's like, when we get this done so like but yeah it was like day eight because <laughs> i think too like you just don't know if you're going to be in that much pain again you know there's highs and lows and ultras so like we got through day four but it's like 
does that happen again in four more days? You know, so like just kind of waiting to figure out, is it going to get worse again? Or is like, are we going to get through it? Yeah. Well, let's just stay with you, Sean. What, what were the emotions like when you did finally get to that, that last mile you, you do finish? What are those emotions like? Oh man, it was, it was so good to sit down. It was just so <laughs> nice. And we actually, even in like the few miles, like leading up to that, uh, the last passage, the Allendahl passage is really beautiful. Actually. Um, you, there's like lots of like palm trees and stuff like that so we were just like talking about the whole journey it was kind of cool like we knew we were ahead by over a day you know like we were pretty excited about that so we just kind of talked about the journey and then uh yeah like getting close my kids were there my wife was there and so like we come through and we get to run we got a video of just like our last little run up it might be it's less than a quarter mile but like the run up to the to the pier and everything getting to the end of it and just being like it was so nice to sit down and I was like, we just like, we we're like, we're done, man. Like we, we get to sit down tomorrow and have coffee. Like we don't have to do this. Like it's finally over. It was, just, it was like a relief. Honestly, it was just so nice to be done. Nathan, same for you. Yeah, it, it was like he said, you know, does that last section, the last couple miles just were so beautiful and getting to experience that we, we kind of joked, said that, you know, the last couple of miles, this is what we thought the whole trail was going to be like. <laughs> We're going to see palm trees and water and, you know, it wasn't quite that way, but just, it was, it was a great ending for the trail. And then, you know, there was just so many days where even when you sat down, you know, at the end of the day, it, it still was, it wasn't really relief because it was, you were rushing to eat, rushing to get in bed and then when you wake up, it's rushed to eat and then rushed to get back on the trail. Um, there's not really the rest is not there. You know, it's not you still know that you have to do it again and keep going. And if you don't push yourself, it's just going to make tomorrow harder and make the next day harder. So, yeah, knowing that you could just stop. I mean, it was we joked so many times we saw I remember towards the end, we saw some people on bikes, mountain bikes. And we were like, man, remember when we used to ride bikes? for fun you know just remember when we used to run for fun you know it had become almost a chore just because you know we we, we wanted to finish you know it, it's yeah. the task was at hand we had to get this done so yeah it was just the relief to stop stop moving and nathan i'll stay with you did, did you learn something new about about sean you guys are buddies you've done ocr races you've never done anything quite like this before did you learn something new about sean you know i I learned that he can walk faster than I think most humans know is possible. I going back to our training, you know, he talked about he rucked and I have done all the way I, I typically do ultras is if I'm going to slow down, it's going to be a run walk. I'm going to run and then I'm going to just walk. <laughs> and Sean has this ability to, I called it the death march. That was the best way I could describe it. I hated it. It was, this pace, he typically could go like 15 minute miles just walking, yeah. um, which is, is fast. And it was not a, like he could hit it constantly, just steadily 15 minute mile. And when I could run, we would do this back and forth where I would jog and then I'd, I'd be able to walk just like much slower, 18 minute pace. And then he'd catch me and then I'd run. But um, that was probably the biggest thing that I learned about Sean we had experienced some other ultras together. I'd paced him for a um, hundred and then he did a hundred and how many did you do that? And that 133. Yeah. 133. I, I 
paste and crude him for that. So we had our experiences in some low, dark places before. But And Sean, what did you learn about Nathan? Uh, I don't know if there's anything I, I learned. Uh, he likes to have a big breakfast, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I'd be like, man, we got to go, dude. <laughs> he like, We'd be in like a hotel and they'd have like a continental breakfast. And like, I've got like one plate and a cup of coffee. And like, I'm like chowing down on food, trying to get going. And like, he walks up, he's got like three plates. I'm like, dude, where do you do it? <laughs> Burn a lot of calories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like it was like a good dynamic. Honestly, there's times like uh, there's times where like if we made a mistake on the trail, like he's very quick to fix the mistake. And I look at those as like I'm I've already wasted enough energy on this mistake, like a wrong turn. Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chill and get back to where we were, and then I'm gonna go. But he was like he's always very quick to fix the mistake. So if we took a wrong turn, he's like running to get it back. I'm like dang it. So like it would drag me sometimes, and I would run. Um, it, like the whole thing like worked out really well just our personalities and stuff like that he's a good dude i'm glad that it was him out there like we i think we worked well as a team i agree yeah. and let's stay with you sean what did you learn about yourself i think definitely there's like i definitely reached a new level of like just like what i can tolerate like the, the pain tolerance and everything there was definitely like i mean i've been in some painful stuff i've done those hundreds i mean i know pain and like just that getting through that day for like i can push through more than i even thought that i could you know like i said i've never dnf i never wanted dnf anything that time is probably coming you keep playing with ultras long enough you're gonna have one of those yeah, yeah i mean i just like understanding that like i can push through a lot more than i even thought and like I mean, the level of swelling that we had in our legs, like it was bad. Like, it, you know, the edema, like you just push your thumb in and like you, it just stays there. Like you can just see that dent in your leg. Like we we were pretty messed up and you can still push through a lot no matter how messed up you are. So that was, that was cool to learn. Yeah. That's great. Nathan, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I agree with Sean. It was definitely a new level of pain. I know when I did that, when I got my first hundred and it was, I had planned for it to be 24 hours and we're here at like 33 hours and something. Um, that was a pretty bad pain, but it was nothing compared to what we went through. And just like Sean said, your ability to push through, it's, it's more than what you think it is. Um, and, but you have to, you have to push through it to find out. Um, and I, I think, you know, both of us have that drive and it's just to see how far we can go and, whatever it is, you know, how, how much can we push ourselves beyond what we think is possible? And, you know, for any runner, you know, I just, I, I would encourage everybody to just, if you, you know, if you're, if you're doing five Ks, you know, maybe you don't want to go farther than five K. Well, next time let's try to go a little faster, you know, or, you know, whatever it is just to push yourself just a little bit farther, just a little bit past what you think you can do. Because when you get done, you know, back to what I learned about myself is just, okay, I'm, I'm capable of this. How much more, you know, mm. we, we, we don't settle for what we feel like we can do. And, and it gives you this sense of accomplishment. You know, a lot of people use running as a antidepressant. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that it, when you hit these goals and you, you make these milestones and you push yourself past what you thought was possible. I mean, you want to talk about a feeling, a euphoric feeling. I mean, it, it definitely is, you know, just like, wow. I mean, just like I said, a few minutes ago, it's still hard to think about the fact that we did 500 miles on our feet and it, it's, 
I don't even, I still can't completely, you know, fathom, gather what it was. I mean, I look back and I think about it and it's just like, wow, not to toot my own horn. It's just like, you know, it just didn't seem before. I remember when before I, I over a hundred miles just seemed impossible. You know, I thought I would never, uh, you know, a marathon's good enough. And then you do a marathon and that's not enough. And it is addictive. Yeah. <laughs> say that, But, uh, but yeah, just to know that there's more there than, than what you think uh, you're capable of more than what your mind wants to tell you you are. It's a good word. It's a good word. And first of all, yeah, congratulations on, on doing this huge accomplishment. You had some partners, I believe, to kind of help you with some gear and things. Tell us a little bit about, about that. Cause I think people are probably wondering what'd you wear? How much did you go through it? You know, how, chafing all the issues you can you can imagine talk to us a little bit about about that yeah uh the exo skin gear the uh compression the exo underwear that stuff is so good i've used it for uh you know other ultra marathons and stuff and there's just nothing that compares like keeping away the chafing and stuff like that and then their exo toes toe socks that's what i wore the whole time zero regrets i mean i ended up i did get i had two blisters on my pinky toes like one on each pinky toe over the whole 500 miles i was just so shocked at that i thought like i was i mean we were there was days where our feet were wet for 10 hours just because all the rain you know uh, i was very surprised that i didn't have more blisters and i had a little bit of chafing but i mean it was minimal i i was like so happy with that so definitely like huge shout out to exoskin and they're great yeah exoskin just I'll, I'll just say the same thing i mean they i had like three blisters on my feet and i know that that was from sand getting in my socks and but otherwise they keep your feet dry they you know it, they just work incredible in the underwear as well i mean little to no chafing is unreal and did you did you find a favorite was there any kind of favorite nutrition or treat that you that you had along the way that you like man this thing got me through when i did the black canyon and this feels minor compared to what you guys did it was a hundred k there was these energy drinks that my wife had every time i saw her and they were cold and i was like oh, i can just get to that i'll get that thing was there anything like that that you guys enjoyed along the way oh yeah <laughs> go ahead nathan we had the, the sean's number one uh Thing is cherry coats oh there you go <laughs> it was always our our little treat every you know so often and it's you know so nice and calorie rich so you know we win win those were definitely nice treats for sure and we lived on a lot of snickers bars those snickers bars and cherry coats i think were probably my top two favorites same for you sean yeah, definitely. Cherry Coke's always my go-to. I think my last 50 mile, I drank nine Cherry Cokes during, like, I was having trouble keeping anything down. I drank nine Cherry Cokes. So that's always like my go-to for uh, ultras. Um, the Snickers for sure was good. And then uh, Scratch Labs gummies, man. Those things were really good too. Um, we ate a ton of those. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, guys, I know in, in something like this, you know, it's you guys cross that finish line, but I imagine there were a lot of people that helped you get to that point. Nathan, let's start with you. Any, who was kind of your, your support system there? Yeah. I mean, we had a ton of amazing crew people. We had almost a different person every day and some days two people. Sean will have to help me with all the names, but I, Darun, Barazanchi, Jess Powell, Michael Poole, Caleb Gander, 
Michael Garcia came out to see us. It just we couldn't have done it without all of the guys. Uh, there's a few more. I'll let Sean mention them, but it, it just it was literally a team effort. You know, we were out there sacrificing our bodies, but without those guys making sure we had nutrition at every stop and water, I mean, it wouldn't have been literally would not have been possible. I, I honestly don't know how guys who do it on support and something like that, it that's a whole nother feat. I mean, in itself. Awesome. Sean? Yeah. Um, the other guys we had out there, Dave Dean, Joseph Scott, uh, Aiden Corley, Ryan Spillman, Micah Norman, Aaron Maybach, and Daniel Little and Seth Morris. Those were uh, all guys that came out and helped us out. Like, it really is not possible without them to do something like this that fast. I think just for me, man, just get me through day four. Like it, it was a big deal. So uh, he's got a special place in my heart for sure. Um, just meeting us at the right places. Cause you know, I mean like a crew person can make or break you, you know, they really can, you know, depending on how they like look at things, depending on their experience and stuff like that. So definitely having a, a big crew or a good crew is uh, essential to completing something like this. So I can't thank those guys enough. Yeah. yeah it's one of the things I love the most about trail running is the community and people love to support each other and encourage each other and pacers, crew, aid station workers. It all takes all those kinds of people yeah. to get you to the finish line. So yeah, I appreciate you guys giving them a shout out. Well, gentlemen, great, great to meet you. Great to hear about your story. And I would love for you to give an opportunity to, if we want, if listeners wanted to connect with you, what's the best way for the, them to do that? Sean, what's the best way for someone to, connect with you yeah for me it's on instagram uh sean a clayton and sean's s-e-a-n and then the letter a clayton that's mainly where i do all my social media stuff at awesome and what about you nathan yeah uh, same instagram uh, mine is nate uh, n-a-t-e underscore o-c-r underscore 85 um, awesome. and you know try to stay active on that and try to support the community running community and, uh, and we're Strava. I also have Strava. If, uh, I really like Strava cause you know, there's no, it's just, it's just there. You're just running or you're biking. So in, that's in right. Each other. So yeah, that's find right. me on Strava, just Nathan France. F R A N T Z T Z. Awesome. Yeah. Fellas. Great to meet you. Thanks for sharing your story. We're it's inspiring. And I think the words that you had, Nathan are right on the money. Our bodies are, are capable more than, than we think they are, and that's why we're out there hitting those trails every day. That's why the Big Ass Runner Herd gets out there balancing life and all the things that go on and pushing themselves. So we were inspired by your story, so thank you for sharing it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Timmy time. What's up, peeps? Timmy time is here live and in the studio. Like it or not, I am here. And he's got a special guest. Who you got there, Timmy time? It's my lovely wife, MB. So probably Uh just take over the music now. (laughs) Marcy also. Uh, Hi, Jeff. In the big ass runner studio. Hello, Marcy. How are you? I am dandy. Just had some delicious turkey soup. Oh, I'm 
glad you enjoyed yes, that. Yes, made by Marcy Bazer. Oh, we're back to the <laughs> whoa, whoa. Uh, I'm still here. Well, it's been a few weeks since we've had you guys. How are the Bazers doing? We're doing great, mm-hmm. Jeff. Yeah. We're doing great. We celebrated our 20th year yes, of wedding bliss. Yes. Wait. Hit all hey. my Yes. What was we decided the other one? to keep that that was We were crunching. That was Tim running away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, running to- towards you. Running towards, towards, towards me. Running towards you. Away. Sorry. That, I, miss, I misspoke there. <laughs> Tim running away. Well, that is exciting. 20 years is a long time to do anything. Especially with yeah. Timmy time. Especially <laughs> with the ups that and downs I, of yeah. Timmy time. get to do it with Timmy time. It's like living on a trail run. It's true. I, yeah. I got a question, Marcy. I feel like maybe the last seven years with Tim mm-hmm. has to be pretty amazing, pretty consistent. As long as I've known him, like, he's just he's just the I would say he is happy, consistently good, consistently consistently good. How's Tim? Consistently ne- good. Never seen him mad. Never seen him upset. No. I'm sure it happens, but I've never seen it. He stuffs that stuff so well, you wouldn't <laughs> so know deep. anything so about deep. it. No, it no. comes out through he's his hair. Always fine. That's right. <laughs> he just grows it out in his yeah. hair. Life's too short. <laughs> Yeah, complete that sentence. To do <laughs> that's anything that's not fun. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Said by which helps. Seven. Which helps. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do anything that's not no. fun. Well, I'm glad no you... Regerts. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. I'm glad you think things are fun because today is going to be a bit of a challenge, Timmy okay. Time. All right. Ooh. I like it. So if, you've, or if you're new to the show, Timmy Time is here to sing his little heart out. And it, this, the the origin is we would be going on trail running, road trips, come back. We'd be just jamming out to some music. And we just like, you know, singing. Singing's part oh, yeah. of it. Having yep. fun. Can't sing very well, but I love to it. Oh, I don't know about that. I oh, do. I do. How many <laughs> how many singing coaches are you now on? Have you got a six-pack underneath you or what's oh, going on? Like, dude, I get so many calls. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm good. good to go. like, no, 71. you're not. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need any help. I don't need to hold a tune. Uh, overrated. <laughs> oh, way overrated. I mean, Johnny Cash couldn't hold a tune. He's nope. Hall of Famer. Yep. There you go. Yep. On my way. On your way is right. Tim and Johnny. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people put y'all in the same category. Yeah, maybe because we oh. both were in prison. Yep. That's probably true. <laughs> what about the guy that sings like this? You sing like Bob Dylan. Oh, hey. Yes. Yes. You can sing like this. I can. Yeah. He, no. he wasn't a good singer. Yeah. What about uh, well. terrible? What about Michael McDonald? <laughs> I love him. Yeah, he's awesome. You know, we've talked about that before. You have to have a really unique voice to make it big. You do. You do. If you think about the lead singers or just singers in general, they've got some uniqueness to their voice. Yeah. Except for Florida Georgia Line, they're just great. Say, I don't on their know own. if that's true anymore. It's, I don't I, feel I, well. Like- Take take bro country out of the equation. <laughs> All pop. And I think it's true. All country. <laughs> think of Michael Bublé. Uh, Bublé. He's got that smooth crooner voice. Not exactly today. Well, he's, is he dead? He's still alive, <laughs> no, right? R.I.P. Michael. He's still Bublé. doing Christmas songs and what have you. <laughs> <laughs> he did the, uh, what was the uh, Curious George? I don't know. That was what a was good a Curious George? That was not Michael Bublé. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, that was Jack Black. No. Or Jack... <laughs> <laughs> something Jack. Yes, yeah, something Jack. Jack. Look back, Sparrow. Jack. Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> well, I opened up the Timmy Time request line on the Instagram. And so today you are singing songs as selected 
by the big ass runner herd. Woo! Okay. And I'm telling you what, the diversity that you're going to have to display today, the range, the the genres. <laughs> this is going to be a new level of Timmy Time. I hope so. I'm well, looking at the list and uh, I don't know the first one. <laughs> Well, oh, this should be good. That's yes. never stopped you before. No, 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 no. You just push through. I think we have six or seven songs. These are going to be amazing. The Big Ass Runner heard. By the way, this first one is actually from Carissa. Okay. Thanks, Carissa. Yes. She requested Setting this me song. Up. And yeah, she did set you up. And I think I picked the right one because there was actually one that was a musical song. And one that was a old country song, and I, I think it's the musical one that she was after. Okay, well, I'm not going to sing it in either of those ways. I'm going to make up my <laughs> you own. Make up your own. Because yep, I've never heard it. Huh. Well, we're going to hear it like never done before, I'm sure. This first song is a signature song from a musical. Mm. And Marcy's here to help us guess yes, what yes. the song is and who might have sung it. <laughs> it was composed by some people. And sung by a couple of people as well. <laughs> and it was released in 2003, so it's very recent. So recent. Mm. That's the year y'all got married, right? Actually, yeah. Hey, yeah. look at me. <laughs> like, is it? Look at the big brain on Jeff. <laughs> he Hello. Is. It is I was 28. Most, is mo- oh, really? It's mostly a solo song sung, that's hard to say, by the main character of the show. It is a big hit, apparently, in the musical world. Timmy Time, as best you can, take it away. All right. Song number one of what I'm reading and I've never heard. Okay. But I do recognize one word in it, so I'm going to give it a little spin. Ooh. Here we go. It's time to try defying gravity. I think I'll try defying gravity. Kiss me goodbye. I'm defying gravity. And you won't bring me down. I'd sooner buy defying gravity. Kiss me goodbye. I'm defying <laughs> gravity. I think I'll try defying gravity. And you won't bring me down. I'm defying gravity. And you won't bring me down. Bring me down, bring me down. Timmy time. Yes, that one. Uh, Well. (laughs) Any idea what it's called? Gravity. Yes, it's called gravity. Do you know what? Defying gravity. Defying, yeah, that's true. Defying gravity. Do you know what musical it might be from? Thinking who would be defying gravity? Somebody, (laughs) Peter Pan? (laughs) Not a bad, that's a good reasoning. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. You've seen it. Ooh, oh. did you see it in Broadway? On Broadway? No. Uh, Wicked. Boom. Hey! Oh. Now do you know now do you know how it goes? No. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that once. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well oh. hopefully, Carissa, you were encouraged by that version. Yes, thank you, Carissa. I love singing that one. That was great. That is that a version great. that will never be heard again. I don't think I could do it again. Except no, no one. Original gravity. <laughs> You know that one it. song? I know. That's what I was thinking. Is that the song? Yeah, no, no. I just. I didn't it's a song with gravity in it. Fantastic. Well, the second song is a song. I don't know if you guessed that. It's a song? By an American singer and actress. Mm. It re- was released in 1993 as the third single 
from this soundtrack. Oh. It was written by the great David Foster. Ooh, oh, he's awesome. Do you know he's what, done a lot. Do you like his beer? His Foster's. Foster's beer. You know what he wrote? After the love is gone. Oh, that's he used to be right and wrong. He wrote that. And produced by him as well. So Timmy Time, song number two. Song number two. Well, I don't really need to look very much further. I don't want to have to go where you don't follow. I will hold it back again, the passion inside. I can't run my fa- from myself. There's nowhere to hide. Don't make me close one more door. I don't want to hurt anymore. Stay in my arms if you dare. Or must I imagine you there? Don't walk away from me. I have nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. If I don't have you. Whoa, Timmy Time. Did you know that song? No, bet. Did you? Did he sing it right? He sang the chorus right. I don't even know what it is. Oh, really? Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing without Tim. Well, I'll give you a hint. I'll tell you what what, uh, album it came from. It came from a little album called The Bodyguard. Oh. So who might have sung that song? Oh, what is her name? Um, oh my god! He's in Yellowstone. I know. I, I know. <laughs> Whitney, 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 Whitney Houston. Houston. Oh, you got it! Yeah. <laughs> Whitney, Whitney. So you don't know that song? And don't close your eyes. Well, I'm not recognizing that song. I'll say that. <laughs> we'll listen to it on the way home, and you'll be like, oh. Oh, yes. Oh, that, that, that one. That was? That's it. Like, oh, that was one of my favorite songs of all time. I just yeah, didn't recognize just didn't, it. Whitney Houston, it. I thought I sounded just like her. You she did. Was amazing. You sounded very good. Mm-hmm. That was from our buddy Moose. And I he Moose. actually sent two. Oh, Moose, what else did you bring? To well, this to next one, this next one, he knew, he knew Timmy Time... Very well, because he gave us one that would stretch, you know, the higher vocal range of Timmy Time, which we just heard. Mm-hmm. And he also knew the lane in which Timmy Time seems to. Oh. I mean, he excels in all lanes, but this one. This is his fast lane. If this you will. is his fast lane. So this song. He's already moving. Is from 1979, and was a track by a band. And it was. I'm trying to give you some things. It's not going to give it away. It reached. It reached the top 40 in the United States, as well as the top three in the UK. And number, see, the Canadians knew what was up. Mm-hmm. Number one in Canada. Heck yeah. And it was the prototype for various types of rap music. And it was written by Gordon um, Lightfoot. 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 Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, because no. he's Canadian. Oh. So he, <laughs> like, it no. had to have been. Yep. And then the Rush drummer was yeah. on it too. Nope, no Pert. Yep. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. All, All right, Timmy time. Song number three. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are going to try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I'd like to say hello to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang the boogie to the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Set up, jump, stop, you don't stop, rockin' to the bang, bang, boogie to the Now, what you hear is not a test. Oh, whoops. 
Let's rock. You don't stop. Rock the riddle that'll make your body rock. Where so far you've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out on the PR. <laughs> you did hit his lane. <laughs> is that amazing, I Timmy the Todd? Enjoy beatbox with it yes. too. Oh. I would have been awesome. nothing without the beatbox. Well, oh. I was trying. I know the song. I can't remember. I don't know what the name of it is, but I did skate really hard to it. <laughs> yes, roller rink as a child. So. Did you did you did you set some records flying oh, around that circle? I was shooting the duck. Oh, uh, shoot the bird! Yeah, shoot the duck. That? Shoot the duck, and um, did some couple skating here and there. Got in the center. Yeah, what's yeah. that thing called when you spin around with your friend? I remember you shooting the bird. I don't remember you shooting the duck. <laughs> I still shoot the, the bird. The duck was in a crouch with your legs straight out. Oh, backwards what was the thing? skating. What was the thing you had to go under the pole? The limbo. L- limbo. limbo. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. So Marcy has a funny story about that. Oh, she used to get dropped off there when she was like six. Whoa. I was eight. Eight? Well, I was still. Eight. Yeah, they would drop us off. Still troublesome. For the, the seven o'clock uh, skate. Sure. And then there was a nine o'clock and sometimes they let us stay. Oh, wow. You doubled up. <laughs> Eleven o'clock. My parents were. You must have been an awesome <laughs> skater or you were crying in the corner in a fetal position. No, I think my parents just figured, get her out. Get out of the house. <laughs> get her out. She'll it was be safe. cheaper than a babysitter. <laughs> she can flip the duck to That's people. like two bucks to roller probably. skate. Probably. It's way cheaper to drop me off there. Man, blisters though. Weren't those a problem? Oh. Eight hours of roller skating? It was just four. It was just four. But... <laughs> my math's not that great, I will admit. It does explain I didn't have a lot of lingo. <laughs> <laughs> that I picked up in there. Oh uh, my goodness! Well, so what's the name of the song? That was called Timmy Time. Rapper's Delight. Oh, Rapper's Sugar Delight. Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang. The Sugar Gang. Hill Gang. Yes. Yeah. Now that you say it all, mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. Written by Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> Something tells me it might be a little off on those facts. <laughs> Maybe. How many Canadians do you know? There can't be that many. Uh, there's no. not that many. Mm. Uh, Rush. We, Gordon Lightfoot. We love the Brian Adams. All of the Brian comedians. Adams. Yeah. All the all funny comedians are from Canada. Is Adam Sandler from Canada? He's not funny. Whoa! Oh. Controversial. Uh, uh. <laughs> controversial. Uh. All right, you ready for this next one? This next one. I'm not because I don't know it. He doesn't know it. This was sent in by Landon. I can't see it. Landon Harrell. <laughs> Maybe he did, did this he on do purpose. This to you? Maybe Landon Harrell. We don't know. It just says Landon. So oh, Timmy time. Man, it's probably uh, John Denver. It's yeah, not it's John, John Denver. Denver. No, it is it, from that era though. Okay. Okay, listeners and Marcy, <laughs> never heard this one. Okay. I'm just going to read it like do, a do poem. Me, oh, I like oh, that. Oh, do the poem. Yeah, do the yes. poem. Okay. When I was young, I'd listen to the radio, <laughs> waiting for my favorite songs. When they played, I'd sing along. It made me smile. Those were such happy times. And not so long ago, how I wondered where they'd gone. But they're back again, just like a long lost friend. All the songs I love so well, every sha-la-la-la-la, every whoa-ho-ho, still shines. Every sing-a-ling-a-ling that they're starting to sing so fine. Oh, my gosh. 
think, I love the dramatic reading. I think we have a new segment. I think yeah. so. Timmy <laughs> takes songs and turns them into poems. Yeah, well, they're <laughs> all po- it's poetry. Well, I love I, it. exactly right. I didn't so even, guess who that is? <laughs> well, you know what? I didn't set the Gordon best. Lightfoot. Did I even set that one up? No, it was, I don't no, think No, I did not. Let me, well, your setups are terrible, Jeff. It's <laughs> I know. sung by hey, somebody Jeff, and recorded you just, somewhere. You, you sing it. <laughs> And I bet you she can okay. get it. No. She loved this band. Okay. When I was young, I'd listen to the radio, waiting for my favorite song. No. Uh-uh. When they played, I'd sing along. No. Uh, no. It made, no. Okay. How about? You'll see it in my Every sha-la-la-la, every whoa still shines. I got no. nothing. It's like 70s country she wasn't that big a fan because that's like their third biggest hit ever so you weren't that big of a fan of this who is it so my dad's what his occupation would be a builder construction what was jesus oh what's jesus Jesus? Jesus? carpenter there you go i did not like the carpenter (laughs) (laughs) no wonder i could not tell you a single one of their songs that's pretty apparent (laughs) i thought you liked the carpenter you're trying to throw me off (laughs) maybe it worked Oh yes, I, I think Tim was setting me up. Oh, sing it for her; she'll know it. You sing very well. I don't sing very well. Okay, that song. That song was number two on the Billboard 100 back in 1973, and it was only beat out. Have you heard of this song? It was beat out by the song "Bad Bad Leroy Brown." Bad. Bad, bad Leroy, Leroy Brown, Brown. baddest man in the whole damn town, badder than an old King Kong, leaner than a junkyard dog. Yep, we know that one. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so if that had Jim Croce did like Jim the <laughs> Croce. Jim Jim Croquet. He was he invented a game and was a singer. It's amazing. <laughs> All right, this next song that was that one did not do so well. That My was... reading. This next no, the reading was incredible. Well, thank you. It was. It was I do like affirmations. <laughs> yeah, that we was know. awesome. Thanks. You we know what know. that? You know what that highlighted though? This, in all seriousness, that how good a writer Richard Carpenter. Well, he wrote that song. It's it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Go back and listen to it. It's yeah. amazing. Okay, this next song is by an American singer. It was from her 1989 fourth studio album. It was released as the album's lead single in 1989, written by this person who's also going to sing it, and it was heralded as an artistic and personal approach to songwriting. Ooh. It was a beloved song. Wait, no, it says, who believed that she needed to cater more to her adult audience. This song speaks about a passionate young girl in love with God who becomes only who becomes only the male I can't, I can't read who becomes the only male figure in her life ooh nice intro wow with okay. that timmy time okay i have a bet that was a good intro marcy <laughs> is going to get this after the first line okay okay ready? i can do it in two notes bob okay woo ready yeah Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call my name, and it feels like home, just like a prayer. 
don't make you take it out. Just like it used to be, you are a mystery. Just like prayer, you only take me there. I messed up though. Okay. When you oh, call my oh, name, it's not going. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> He's going off script. Oh, nope, still going. Uh, I'm going to go with Madonna like hey. a prayer. Yes, we finally got one. I know I my lady. Yeah. I know yeah, my lady. Yeah, that the Carpenters. That was from Laurie. <laughs> yeah, Laurie. wanted you to sing that. Laurie, thank Laurie. you, Laurie. Well Laurie. Done. L-A-U-R-I-E, Laurie. Thank you so much for that. Good job, Timmy Tom. Great job, Marcy. That was amazing. That was a good one, too. That was amazing. I this, think you're going to get this one pretty quick, too. Okay. We sing this all the time. This oh. next one is from, from Mike. <laughs> yep. All right, Mike, Mike. Different than Moose, this is from Mike. And this song, there's some setup, and I'm a little nervous because I wouldn't give it Marcy so said that my setups are bad, but my last one was good. So I'm not sure <laughs> how it's going to go. This was written in 1979 by an American singer and songwriter. I was four. And it was released in 1972. It's one of the songs in which she, oh, I'll give you a hint. <laughs> is most identified and upon its release reached number one in the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Latvia. Ooh. This song was <laughs> ranked number 92 of the Billboard's greatest hits of all time. Oh. The title's subject's identity has long been a matter of speculation, oh, but no. she, oh, yeah. I gave it away. <laughs> but she said it refers to three men, one of which is a famous actor timmy time actor yeah timmy time take it away okay you walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht you had strategically dipped below one eye your scarf was apricot you had one eye in the mirror as you watch yourself gavot all the girls dream that they'd be your partner. They'd be your partner. And you're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. Don't you? Don't you? You're so vain by Carly Simon. Yes. I just always say the apricot scarf. Uh, that was Tim often is talking about the apricot yeah. scarf. Who's not? This comes yeah. up in our. Co- this is true. This yeah. comes up in our conversations <laughs> weekly. She's like, "Hey, dress up. Should I wear an wear apricot, apricot scarf? scarf? What? Which one? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to wear that? I don't know. That's what I'd like I got to, to get him one. I think yeah, I like to dress up with my workout clothes. <laughs> yeah, he likes to put on his fancy workout gear. <laughs> That's right. It's like, which running so shirt should I wear today? Oh, one with the, the one with long sleeves? That's fancy. <laughs> it's fancy. fancy. Thumb holes? Well, yes. I'm sorry to say that was the last one. No, we've got one more. Oh, we we have one more, and this Tim last is one is a bonus. And it came from our friend Kelly Modica, who is awesome. She's in the Colorado area. And this song has already been sung by Timmy Time on, I believe, the very first, very first Timmy Time ever. Oh, an and oldie but this goodie. is an oldie but goodie. I don't remember seeing this. Oh, you did, you did, you did. I promise you. Do you oh, know? yeah. The rec- the bell okay. recollection. All right, recollection. the recollection. <laughs> the Russian. The, the recollection. Russians are coming. <laughs> As I recall, I'll restate it. You got it, Timmy. Time. No, not. I know what the song is. I'm just trying to get the He's melody. Trying to get the <clears throat> melody. Searching for the melody. That's a constant theme with Timmy. Dang Tom. it. <laughs> 
All right, Timmy Tom, the, right. boni- the bonus The bonus song. song. I can't get the melody, so I'm just going to uh, wing it. We're in for a treat. Oh, boy. A lonely mother gazing out her window, staring at her son that she can't touch. If at any time he's in a jam, she'll be by his side, but he doesn't really li- realize he hurts her so much. But all the praying just can't keep helping at all, cause he can't seem to keep himself out of trouble. So he goes out and makes his money the best way he knows how. Another body lying cold in the gutter, listen to me. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you used to. I know that you're gonna have it my way or nothing at all. But I think you're moving too fast. Timmy time! I was like, I want to apologize. Who who was who Kelly? submitted it? Kelly. Yeah, I just want to apologize <laughs> for the rendition. Sometimes of I just waterfalls. <laughs> well, you know, it's not the it's it's song's been around a while. Was it one eye? What yeah, was her left name? Eye Lopez. Left eye. Yeah. yeah. Left eye peace. Lopez. Rest in peace. Did you guys ever see uh, the movie The Other Guys? Uh, I saw the first <laughs> Will Ferrell no. and Marky Mark. Oh, it's Ooh, hilarious! No. And uh, Michael Keaton's in it. He's the uh, like the chief of police. <laughs> okay, and he always quotes TLC. Really, this song. This oh, song. Oh yeah, yes. all through it's the all movie. All through the movie. Does he it's quote hilarious. Anything about an apricot handkerchief or whatever he it's called? Oh, he should have apricot scarf. Scarf. Sorry. Scarf. Ascot. Ascot. Couldn't remember. Well, Timmy time. That was a treat. That Great was job. Good. That was good, honey. Marcy, I think you one. got almost all of them correct. You had no clue on the Carpenters. <laughs> none. You none. got wicked, though. But you got wicked. Well, I, believe there's, yeah, I think there's some hints I've given in there. I think we have a new segment idea, though. So yeah. Timmy time does poems from famous songs. A little poetry. If they're really famous... They've got to be really famous, or this will be tough. Take <laughs> yeah. me down to the paradise. <laughs> there you go. Where the, where grass, the grass is green, is green and, and the, the girls, the girls are, are pretty. Well, with pretty. that, it's Timmy time. <laughs> Always a fun time on here. <laughs> See you guys on the trails. I won't. <laughs> yes. Well, believe it or not, that is the end of episode number 131 of The Big Ass Runner. Thanks to everyone that was part of this show. Danny for that intro, to Sean and Nathan for sharing your story on segment one, and of course for Timid Time and special guest Marcy Baser. Appreciate that. And thanks as always to our audio engineer who makes this sound so good, Steve silver dollar saunders but with that get out there get some of those exoskin you heard how amazing exoskin products are we love them the toe socks the regular socks the liners you name it anything they make is the best exoskin.com with that get out there hit those trails and keep running your asses off
Hoffman. They are amazing. They are inspiring. You are going to love that conversation. <clears throat> I cracked my voice. <laughs>